Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for The Art of the CEO. The show bringing you the most helpful and most fascinating people in the business community from around our globe. I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, The Art of the CEO streams magically through the mightily, totally misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download our episodes by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. That's blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. And we invite you to listen and explore for your benefit, particularly because today's show uh, is entitled Best Business Comebacks, Words You Wish You'd Said. Uh, and this is something we've done before, and you get ready for fun. And to, to get us going, and to, uh, here are two of the situations that we're going to be talking ourselves out of. Number one, this came from Paul Dorf, Managing Director of Com- Compensation Resources, and one of his uh, clients from long ago. You've just convinced your 50-person firm that times are really tight and they've got to be making some sacrificial pay cuts. And it was a, it was tough and it wasn't easy, but grudgingly they agreed. So then you, right the next day, Mr. CEO, drive in in your brand spanking new Rolls Royce and park it in your spot. And everyone sees you get out and walk in the door. So what do you do now? Mr. CEO. And my friends, we will see if your clever response beats mine. That's a tough one. And as a second one, what do you say when your potential boss asks you to name your own salary? Hmm. Okay, so we do have a great feast of wisdom in store for each individual out there. And whether you are a professional speaker trying to broaden your platform uh, with another array of new topics like Greg or whether you're a self-made banker trying to lend entrepreneurs and get them set up in a depressed town like her, we're here to bring you the sage counsel from business masters to aid your career and your ventures. And before we hit uh, you with this array of witticisms and half-witticisms and various faux pas extricators, (laughs) why don't we take a moment out there to supply you with a feast of, uh, well, a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom before we get deep into things. So first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. Now, since that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, may I ask, will this be the day that you seize onto some new piece of knowledge you delve into that book or attend that lecture simply because it intrigues and enriches you? Or will you continue to study only what you see directly makes you a profit? The choice is truly yours. And as a second utensil, uh, it is, oh yes, it's time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me thumb down here. Okay, I'm in the back. Oh, okay, here we go, here we go. This is number 71. If you have nothing to say, either say nothing or rent yourself out as a keynote speaker. (laughs) A bit notorious, I I fear, but as an afterthought, 
if you are in the position of bringing in speaking talent to your firm, why don't you first assess the greatest need of the audience beforehand? Then discuss with a short list of potential speakers how they can best motivate your crew on their way out of this unfulfilled need. Your your team's time is precious, so why not make it count? Just a thought. And as a third utensil, perhaps we should call today's utensil the slicing skewer. Right now, we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. Now, today, before we leave the air, we'll broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of the author as you believe him or her to be. Uh, Simply write down that name and mail it to info at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, we will send you an astounding gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. (laughs) So, the author of last week's quote, it's the individual said, If a man does not keep pace with his fellow, perhaps it is because he marches to the beat of a different drummer. Those words were spoken by the sage of Walden Pond, Mr. Henry David Thoreau. So now, with utensils in hand, why don't we address all those sticky business situations and see if we can get some truly flashy, clever, uh, and just plain effective comebacks and have some fun on our way to doing it. So the first one came from an editor of a nationally uh, known print magazine. And this happened when he first went there to get his first job, a big break, with this magazine. The publisher stood and said before him, All right, Jeff, we're going to hire you. Now, what do you think you should be paid? Now, <laughs> that's that's unusual. In fact, I think in some states it's illegal, but it's it does happen. People, they say, name your price, and not always in a good way. So 95% of the people would probably come up and I'm afraid poor Jeff did the same thing. Well, uh, gee, uh, I don't really know, sir. Uh, I I think, um, well, do you think 40000 would be too much? I mean, I, I could get by on, on less, maybe. <clears throat> no, 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 no. This, uh, now, let's try the should have said. Well, sir, of course I do want to talk to you about growth potential before we start uh, with any base number. But, uh, and, and at this point, you pull out your file and open it and says, the circulation of our magazine is two, 2.7 million, and according to the other trade magazines, with that circulation starting out, editors are ranging in the price, uh, according to the U.S. Census Bureau report in 2015. Let's see. Okay, they're going between uh, fifty dollars and $67,000 for this position, and... Um, if you were hiring an average editor, uh, that's what I think you should pay him. But because you've got right in front of you an editor who is right now willing to undertake the nastiest assignment you've got in mind, I would say $10,000 would be higher than that. So let's start at 77 compensation. Uh, and then we, can, then we can talk growth potential. Okay. I didn't make this one up. Uh, the answer was mine, but uh, this is an actual thing that did happen. The point is that every single time you are interviewing and every single time you're dealing with anyone who is a superior, you want to show them that you're a thoughtful person who does his work and does his homework and cares about what 
they're speaking. And so when it's one thing to say, to pull a number out of your head, like poor Jeff did, or like 95% of the folks would. But this way, you're showing him, my gosh, I've got a real researcher here. I've got someone who looks things up, who is very careful about this. And you don't appear greedy. Uh, you just appear well-informed. And as to these other little bit, uh, but because you've got right in front of you an editor who is willing to undertake the nastiest assignments. The reason I said that is you don't want to say, but because I'm such hot stuff, <laughs> no one will buy it. But if you say that you're willing to do something special, it's a way of saying that you're immediately devoted to the firm and it rings a bell. Now, he may not give you the nastiest assignment, but he will certainly know that here's a man he can call on, and you've started right out building trust. So no matter what the end, or the final figure is, you have made a mark on this man, your, your boss, and don't get no better than that. So that's number one. And now I'd like to go back to the one we hinted at before. It really did happen. Uh, Poldorf told about this individual. I don't know who the individual is, but it is true. And some blunders, my friends, are just too cotton-picking big. So the answer uh, that you come in is that, first of all, you never, ever, ever, ever do what this guy did. You do not drive your Rolls-Royce to work after you've told the people. <laughs> after you've just had your whole crew cut cut back on their own salary because times are so tough, you do not drive in in your spanking new Rolls Royce. Okay. Uh, we all know that. Uh, but you've done it. And here you are, and you're walking through the door, and the comments begin to fly. So uh, what would 95% of the folks say? Well, um... Uh, they say, well, it's my wife's car. I mean, I mean, she borrowed it from a friend, and and I've been saving for this a long time, and and boy, you should see all the payments I'm having to make, and I'll buy after that. <clears throat> and backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. No, 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 don't do it. You just make yourself look foolish. There's some things you can't get around, but you can mitigate it. And if I were trying to mitigate this, I might say this. Well, okay, Joe, you're the winner. And I reach in my pocket, and I give him the keys, and I say, I've been feeling really badly about having to cut back on everyone's salary. And so today, I'd like to take uh, you, and we're going to grab six six folks, to put them in the car, and we're all going to go out to the lunch, the best lunch in town, and you pick the place, and, and we'll go. And we're going to work through the whole plant this way because I feel that's the very least I can do. I can't pay you what I'd love to pay you, and I certainly can't pay you what you're worth, but the, this is just, count. think of it as just a little favor from me. It's all I can give you. Now, you haven't won yourself out entirely of this, but you have showed that you're that you are concerned. Now, I tried this this answer out on a few people, and I would be very interested to know what your thoughts are, because several people said to me, uh, well, no, not so, that they really liked it, but one person said, I think that would only build resentment, sort of like, here, boy, go take my car keys, and... Um, 
It's it's an interesting thing. That was my solution. I think it would work. But if you don't, if you think that that's a bad call, you just phone us right in and tell us so. You just pick up that number and dial 347-850-1785. Again, that's 347-850-1785. And give us your opinion on that one. I think it would be very interesting. And so now, let us move into uh, business sticky wicket number three. And this one was from, I, I can't mention the, uh, the full name, but this was from the winner. This was uh, written into me by the winner of the State Librarian of the Year Award. And I don't know what state. But um, at the dinner... This, she was given an award dinner uh, for this, and her board member was supposed to come up and introduce her at the podium prior to, to her acceptance speech, which is all very pro forma. And the dinner was well, and it was in her honor, and she stood. The board member came up and called her up, and he says, Well, what can I say? Everybody here knows Lorraine, and she certainly deserves this award. And then he sat down. <laughs> That was it. It's like it's like the old joke, you know. He, the guy gets up and he says, "Now here's a man who needs no introduction, and so he doesn't give one." He sits down. This is this actually happened, and uh, so you think to yourself, "You've got to say something. You've got to tell them whom you are, who you are." I'm sorry, you have to tell them who you are. Oh, slap my face for bad grammar. Don't don't let me ever use the accusative when I should have used the nominative again. What's the matter with me? Um, anyway, the I, what do you say when you're just sort of left of an abandon there at the podium? Well, 95% of the people would probably look out of the crowd and say, well, uh, uh, thanks, Jim. Uh, as, as you can see, Jim, like the rest of our board, is a man of action rather than words, and, and toss it off and then sort of, hi, I'm Lorraine. I think what you might have said is try try this one. This is what you should have said. See if you like this one a little better. <clears throat> well, I really must thank Jim. He has paid me the compliment of assuming that whatever meager renown I possess, it has uh, somehow magically blossomed into a national fame. And every profession in this room should have a board chair who thinks that well of them, I can tell you. Jim, I owe you a drink. So, uh this way what you've done is you have uh turned it without turning it making jim look foolish you have actually praised him for really what was a good intention on jim's part you have to you have looked into this man and not everyone is a public speaker as a matter of fact 99.78 percent of people are not very good public speakers. They're rather poor public speakers. And it's just as the truth that did you know that 78.4% uh, of all statistics are made up on the spot? But anyway, this one is one of those. And the truth is, Jim doesn't speak well. So you give him praise for what he does do well, and that is show confidence in you. I think that's probably the best you could do at this point. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, time is absolutely 
sweeping by here. So you're listening to the Art of the CEO radio show streaming live from blogtalkradio.com. And we have, as I say, slipped right on into the midpoint of today's feast. So why don't we pull back for a few moments and take a brief sorbet and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of, among many other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and explore a wide wealth of practical wisdom from many, many business masters. And this very day, Prometheus Publishing would like to invite you to look at a little wisdom that comes wrapped in the uh, covers of a little laughter, and that is uh, the book that's brought a little uh, raucous fun and perhaps a grain of wisdom is the, the 101 Best Business Quips, which you just heard me thumbing through a little earlier, and for those unfamiliar with the term, a quip, a quip's a joke, son, it's uh since the mighty playwright Aristophanes, wise folks have known that the greatest wisdom comes wrapped in a little laughter. So in 101 Best Business Quips, we give you a lighthearted jests, such as one, the one you just heard, or uh, the only difference between... Uh, or boards are just like any other business group, except that they dress a lot better, and their suits are better tailored, and they have a lot more money to play with, or something silly like that. And we follow it up with a, a bit of an afterthought to ponder. Now, I know many of you have enjoyed this book, or many of you have uh, subscribed to it. Uh, you've gone to bartsbooks.com. You have clicked on the little blue mailbox, and every week, winging to your door through mystical cyberspace comes uh, a fresh new quip into your email with an afterthought. A lot of you get them that way. Some of you have even had the benefit of, of hiring the quip master, the one speaking to you right now, to come for your business event. And all I can say is he loves doing that. <laughs> but now, coming soon, we have, uh, for those who can't laugh long enough, we have a second collection entitled 102 Best Business Quips, all new and all as laughable as my wife finds her husband. But before I carry on any further, carry on, carry over, Harry, carry, or go over the edge entirely, uh, allow me to haul myself back and let's get ourselves, let's come back with some clever comebacks for more awkward moments back into the mainstream of today's Feast of Wisdom. Now, this one is uh, one I think it's a little more, uh, it's more common, I think, to a lot of people who uh, are, are negotiating, and it comes to us from attorney Ray Felton, who's one of the top M&A people, and works for Greenbaum Law, an excellent firm. Yeah, uh, and you're you're sitting here in a room filled with about oh a dozen people, one of these large two two company meetings, and the tempers are all getting. Uh, high and enthusiastic and everyone is launching into one solution and they want you to form a new project or, a, or maybe even a new company to take over the simply marvelous idea and you alone are the one who knows it's a disaster you know it's it's a flash in the pan and it's not going to work in in other words the world is is sort of you against the world at this point how do you handle it? How do you get your point across 
uh, but really make it listened to and considered. Well, 95% of the people would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you, what you guys aren't reeling is this and this, and you aren't really realizing this, and you haven't considered this. What's the matter? Are you all stupid? <laughs> that's, that's what you really want to say. We've all been in meetings there. You want to say that. But I think perhaps a wiser course, that is, what you should have said, you should have said is absolutely nothing. For the moment, you just sit there with your notebook open, perhaps your pen poised. You stare at each speaker and you say not a word. Uh, you look, perhaps you sort of mold the look on your face of a bit askance. You appear that you are visibly scrutinizing each phrase, but you're giving no real sign of agreement at all. And you jot down a note or two occasionally, not a lot. And then in time, you just wait. Believe me, they will ask you. When everyone's talking in a room and you're sitting looking straight ahead, they will ask you. The goal is to let the quarry come to you, my friends. Let them say, Ray, you've been awfully silent these past several minutes. What do you think about this? Where, how do you think we should take this thing forward? And then you pour all of your answer into one consideration. You don't personalize it. You say, so I think I've got it. We, you take this solution. We've, you're a really good product here, and everybody needs it today, and it solves this and this for today. But just tell me, who's going to need it tomorrow? Or, in other words, insert your major complaint here in a question form to the whole room. You don't shake your head. You don't look bored. You don't show your obvious disagreement. You put to them a consideration. Let them chew it over and discover for themselves, oh my heavens, this is, where was my head? What was I doing? Whoa, whoa, whoa. If I say that to myself, I'll believe it. If you tell me, I'll just think, here's a guy telling me I'm an idiot and I don't want to listen to him. So, uh Again, I think that's something that's going to work for you, and, and try that and see how it and see how it goes. And, uh, and it's not easy, by the way. That one, I have been there, and it is not easy to just keep your mouth shut while all everything's raging about you. <laughs> but uh, okay, let's move on to another one, and this one I really <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> this this is. One of these things about uh, that comes that well it comes from Biggs Coford CEO Chris Blees, marvelous man, energetic, uh, is really knows how to the to handle the art of the deal. He is he is an expert at it, but and it's a very sincere fellow. So he and this was something that he himself experienced. Let me set the stage. There are three men seated around a table. And with small ceremony, Dave, pull, Dave pulls out his pen. He pauses briefly. And then he writes $700,000 on that small green rectangle. And he tears it off the ledger and fingers it for a moment and hands it across the table with his arm outstretched and says these words, 
carefully. You know, Chris, I'm going to give this check to Tom here. But I've got to tell you, I really should be giving it to you. You're the one who did all the work. <laughs> Silence. Now, I'm going to ask you, not about Chris or Dave, I'm going to ask you about Tom. Suppose you're Tom. You're the man who's accused, basically, of not pulling your weight. He's, uh, uh, Tom was the investment banker in this deal. Chris was, at this point, just the CPA helping out, and apparently he feels that the, the workload got shoveled off on one, and this one guy deserves all the credit. And the Tom is this man who's accused of not pulling his weight. Now, this this comes to you. You know for a fact that you did more than your fair share of all the required labor, but it's not go- going to get noticed. You can see it. The credit should be going to you, but it's about to slip fr- through your fingers. So what do you say? What do you do? Well, now 95% of us would follow our gut instinct on this, and they'd gather up their emotions, and they would say, now just one cotton-picking minute here, Dave, if you think I'm going to let this upstart take all the credit for my work, you're out of here, let me just tell you what I did, and uh, number one, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth, and no, 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 (laughs) oh, if ever there was a time not to go with your gut. First of all, pause for a minute, and gather three solid contributions that you gave to this project, to Dave, to Dave and his uh, the project that, that uh, he's paying you for, and with which Chris, or the other fellow who was given this credit, had virtually nothing to do and probably lacked the proper ability and knowledge to perform it. So you just pick those three contributions, put them, put them in your mind for the moment, and say, and then respond, well, Dave into whosever pocket your check falls today. The really sweet thing is that within each, is within eight quarters, your own wallet is going to be bulging 7.5 times ROI, and the planning and timing we worked out came right to the edge, and everyone is going to get paid off handsomely. And then you let it go. That's all you say. You're contributing to an air of goodwill, a successful deal, but you've made a good point. Then you... Then immediately after the lunch, after the uh, the the deal closing lunch here is, is over, you follow up with a written note that lands on Dave's desk within two hours of the deal closing, and it should begin, "Dear Dave, I really did let you down on this. I should have much better kept you in the loop about the advantages I was crafting for this deal." Then you list the three. But it, at this point, I, the only thing I can say is the best of luck and the deal will go forward and so forth and so on. Now, the point is, you say nothing defensive at the lunch because you'd just be a mood shatter. Everyone is feeling glowing and resting that the, thing, that the deal got pulled off. So you, you keep that mood. You don't want to, because nothing you could say was, would not sound like sour grapes. There's nothing you could say. So, but you did by saying what you did to Dave, by saying that your wallet is going to be bulging 7.5 times hour on it shows two things. It shows that you're aware of what he said. It shows 
that you have an immense knowledge about this deal when you say 7.5 times ROI. It shows that you have really studied this deal. Chris did not do it all. You are as familiar with it as, as anybody. And then you put the three demands, uh, three contributions that you've made in the running. Don't do it in person, by the way. It's, it's, it's not worth it. I just put that out there. And Dave may come around. He may not. But it, that is your best possible chance for keeping the relationship with Dave. And at the same time, not setting yourself as sparring off against with Chris. Just a thought, my friends. I think it's a it's something to do. We had uh we have another one and I'm gonna to try to squeeze it in real quick here. Well uh and it's it's a supposing you're accused of bullying. You know, a worker comes in and complains to you or you hear a side come and says, You're a workplace bully. Now ninety five percent of us would say, Heck, I never said any such things. I never gave you the slightest reason to complain. Now get back there to work before I fire your sorry self and set you on the curb. Well, no, you don't want to say that. But here's what you should say, and I'm gonna to have to uh, wrap it up quickly, but what you do is you say, okay, Robin, you must be right. Because if you're not happy in our shop, then obviously I am failing you as a manager. So let's fix that right now. Let's get this to be a happier shop for you. So you take uh, Robin privately, you meet with her in a room where uh, all alone, and you say, okay, show me right now. Tell me what I have said or done that is that is disturbing you. Give me the words, and we'll hash them out. And see, you see, you don't apologize you be, because what you are is you're a doctor here. You're not here to sympathize. You're here to mend the patient. And so you, you listen to it. You go through it and say, well, how about if I said that? Would this work better for you? You become clinical. I'm afraid we don't have time to go into that one as deeply as I'd like, but that's it's that's something that I just had to stick in there. And so now today, ladies and gentlemen, as we round out today's show, uh, allow me to leave you with today's business quotation, and I love this one. Plural of anecdote is data. Be careful whom you trust. <laughs> now, the author who... Uh, and as a hint, the author of this quote was a person who knew both the statistics and the truth about politics for many, many years professionally. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just write that name down and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S to win an amazing, life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, the single best accent to accessorize your business wardrobe is a smile and a little laughter. So to all you faithful and playful listeners, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as we have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our blog talk uh dot com episodes by uh our art of the ceo episodes forgive me by 
visiting blogatalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And next week, do tune in to blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO because this is your chance to finally get some real common sense of, about investing. The no-nonsense, straight-shooting Mr. Daniel Goldman, a four-decade broker, is going to break it down for us. No, he is not going to give you a good stock pick. He, instead, he is going to teach you how to effectively and sensibly go fishing on the market all of you all on your own and my friends you'll be dining on steak and caviar far into the future if you listen so ladies and gentlemen do tune in and as always it has been a privilege i thank you